Bigger than tapes. Give me some more silence. Hello, welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Angela. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. Yes, in person. Yeah, for the first time in... Forever. Ever? Yeah, ever. So first live. This is our first actual in-person recording, yeah. I'm proud of us. This is... Hooray! <laughs> We've got through a pandemic. Yeah, allegedly so. It's been, uh, what, eight months of us recording on Skype? Slightly longer if you factor in the previous podcast life. Yes. Yeah, there was a previous podcast life. A year of... It's a year. Of Skype. Mm. And it's nice to have people in my house and see people. Sorry, in the uh, Bigger Than Cape studio. (laughs) (laughs) Good guess, Sammy. Yes. It's creating an illusion that that's real. Stick it on the door. Yeah. Um, So, here we are. Yep. Um, I, I don't really have comic book news because, once again, I'm not <laughs> paying attention to the news enough. Um, no. So I figure we do like a Zach and yeah. Angela catch-up thing. We can do that. Um, so have you been reading any comics? I, weirdly enough, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I've been doing that, but yes. Um, so something that I've been reading recently that came about because I saw a page of this comic, someone tweeted it. And I thought, that looks really interesting. I must check it out. And it's Mr. Invincible. Okay. Which I believe was originally French. I'm pretty sure it was French. Mm-hmm. Um, but the English translation was on Comixology. It's like £5.50 on Comixology for quite a lot of pages. <laughs> so We're all about the page I, count. It's all about the page count. Um, so I got it, but what it's, it's really clever because it plays around with the fact that comic books are done in panels. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this particular one that I saw on Twitter was about him rescuing a cat out of a tree, but he does it by literally leaning down from a upper panel to a lower panel and picking the cat out of the tree. And then at one point he's like, don't worry, you'll have a two cats for a couple of panels. And he literally sort of tells the woman this. It's a space-time thing. It'll it'll sort itself out. And then by the end, the cat is down off the tree. And the woman's like, oh, yeah, that's worked really well. And then there's another instance where there is a character who is beating up people using speech bubbles. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, I'm into this. And he's, <laughs> he's doing that. Like the power, I think it's called the power of words. And it's an old man who's taken offence that the local councillor wants to get rid of the bulls field playing area. Um, so he's just tormenting people using the power of words, which is speech bubbles. That's pretty good. That's, it's that's very, than... Yeah, it's clever. Or things like he's stopping bank robbers and the, the, the bullet sort of ricochets through the panels. That's cool. It's It's very, it just plays around with the fact that that is how, it's the classic sort of nine panel layout, but this is what you can do with it. And it's quite, mm. it's very cute art and I just enjoy it because it's something a little bit different. That's cool. I might, I'll check that out. That definitely yeah. sounds like a Zach thing. Yeah, I think you'd like it. I, oh, it was um, a couple of weeks ago I reviewed Trover Saves the Universe. Oh, yes. Which had, has like a plot point in it about a character who can move between panels. And I guess that's a kind of similar yeah. idea. But probably less realised than Mr. Invincible sounds. Mr. Invincible. Pretty well planned out. Um, yeah. Trover was fine. I, Trover was I don't know anything about the video game, so... Yeah, it's it's difficult when it's a comic book of a video game and it's, yeah. There's been a lot this year and it seems to be we've both just gravitated towards them even if we don't know anything. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe that just says something more about us. It does really, yeah. Um, but we've checked out... Uh, Summoner's War? Summoner's War, which, yeah, I ke- I'm still, I'm not reviewing it for the website, but I'm still reading it. <laughs> just in spite of itself. <laughs> Pretty much. I just feel like I've gone on this journey so far, I need to just see it through. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think I'm, I'm going to stick with Trover kind of out of sheer curiosity other than anything else, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt about Summoner's War because it does feel like Baby's First RPG still. Very much. <laughs> it's just, yeah. That's... Bless. Maybe it'll read better in a collection, right? Maybe I'll have to... Re- now I'm going to have to read the trade, aren't I? There you are. And play the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing the game. I've tried to convince Joe that he should... Um, buy Trova Saves the Universe, play the game, then read the trade and review the trade, and then... Yes. I'll review the the issues cluelessly, and he'll, like, you know, sweep in at the end with some knowledge. That would be... Yeah, can we get him to do that? That's his kind of thing. I don't know if he wants it, but that's <laughs> that's my plan, and that's what I'll pitch to him. Persuade uh, him. I can't think what else I've been reading. I am... Um... Yeah, I think... More than anything, I've been reading stuff for the site. Um, some things are very much dragging still. I've mentioned previously that I've got Middle West and Hack Slash that are like 18 issue books. I've been trying to read bits from in between. Um, all the things that are like single issues that. Are, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like anything that's like a complete collection is a little bit more flexible on when the like coverage comes out because yeah. um people have probably already had singles trades i think it's rare that you're coming to something as a complete collection if you don't know a little bit yeah more. you've already had some of it in some form or other i'd like to think so um one day i will finish my review of hack slash <laughs> <laughs> maybe not today and maybe, maybe not, not tomorrow. tomorrow but one day um i like to think my middle west review is Done, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it'll come out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to shy away from 18 issue volumes until I've finished Hack Slash. Yeah. Um, because I am a sucker and I'll just easily get drawn <laughs> in. Um, I feel like I've only read pod- stuff like podcasting things or websiting things. things. I'm trying to think. I mean, like I say, I, I've read something that wasn't this week, which was. Nice for a change. It's it's a novelty when you it's a novelty. have some free time. It's like, oh look, I can read some other things. Um, and I've read Sleeper, which mm. I'm going to review for the website anyway. But it's yes, it's from the guy who did Line of Duty. He's written a comic. So I'm told. Which was on the radio, apparently. My my, it's it's it, it's slightly disturbing when both my nan and my mum know more about a comic than I do. That is a weird one. I don't think my parents know anything about anything I'm into more than I do, ever. No. Slightly yeah. worrying that they listen to that. They're like, oh, Angela should read this. It's interesting, isn't it, that if you're if you're a TV writer or a celebrity from somewhere else yeah. and you do a comic, you get more coverage than people who do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, this was on both Radio 4 and Radio 2. That's, that's two of the radios. Two of the radios. So <laughs> Who knows about one and three? Is there a Radio 3? There is a Radio That's the classical one. Yeah, it's the classical channel Radio 3. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, should, I probably did know that on some yeah. subconscious radio. Yeah, and level. then there's Radio 5, which is the sports. Yes. And I don't know if Radio 6 still exists. I think it does. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's, six. That's the cool one. just six music now? Six music, yeah. Yeah, six mm. still exists. Um, but yeah, it is it is a bit weird and a bit annoying that if you are someone involved in TV writing or film writing or acting or musicianing, that you will get coverage that no one else will get, even if your book is average. I rem- I mean, there are a handful of exceptions that I can think of, but it's always like. I distinctly remember the day my mum came and knocked on my bedroom door and it's like, they just said on the radio, they're going to kill the human torch. <laughs> uh, and obviously, you know, that's that didn't last long, did no. it? Is it Hickman it, who uh, killed the torch? Oh, probably. And then Spidey takes over for a bit. Yes. Yeah. So that was like breaking news. Um <laughs> Not a good thing to wake up to. It's like, what? No, no, not the human torch. He'll be um, back. 
the original. Have they brought the original Human Torch back at any point? That they have, haven't they? He was in that Invaders. Invaders in, now. Yes, it? he was in Invaders now. That we, was. We were the only readers for that. We comment. were literally the only readers for that book. That's somewhat unfortunate, but. But I don't think we've had yeah. him since. Um, no, I feel sorry for him because everyone forgets that he existed before Johnny this Storm. Red jumpsuit. And yeah. Robot body. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. Um, but yeah, I remember that being on the new on the radio, and I remember um, them announcing like Miles Morales was going to be a, oh yeah like, was going to be a new Spider Man, and I don't think yeah. anyone on the radio really understood that it's like Peter Parker also exists, but yeah, the multiverse. Everybody, yeah, I think it was when he was being introduced in Ultimate Spider Man. It's like there's going to be a new Spider Man. It's like. There are many news. <laughs> it is like that if you scroll through Twitter and is it comic book news often with the clickbait articles and it'll be like this you'll never guess what's happening to this character and it's like, like I bet I will. Yeah, I probably will. I will. Yeah, I feel like a lot of particularly Marvel DC news centers around like you'll never guess. <laughs> like, okay. No no one's ever doing like I don't know. You'll never guess what's happening in Outcast. Oh. Yeah. Um, I assume Outcast is still ongoing. I felt I, I feel like it is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's Robert Kirkman, so it never ends, right? That's, that, the, that's the law, yeah. <laughs> the rule. Um, I do actually like Outcast. I'm just <laughs> miles behind. <laughs> uh, should, should we get to the point? Should, of this, we should get to the point of this podcast. Yeah, sorry, rambling. Yeah, we, um, look, we've not seen each other in person. We ramble more in person. We I do. Think. I we think do. we have more self control when we've got <laughs> Skype like delaying us and confusing us. Yeah. So this week ties into the interview episode you did. Yes. Some weeks ago um, with Mister David Papos. Yes, I did. I hope I'm saying that last name right. Yes, he's he's generally okay with how we pronounce his name. Propose, peepose is not the Purpose. way. Propose is the way, Purpose. yes. Um, it's a good last name, even if it's one we can't say consistently. Yeah, it is. We apologise for our inconsistent pronunciation. <laughs> we do it with more people, to be fair. We're, we're just inconsistent. To be fair, names. we just do it with everyone. We're bad with names. We're bad with names, that's the bottom line. Um, so... You talked to him about the current ongoing Kickstarter for the OZ issue two. Yes. Um, And we're here today to talk about the OZ issue one. one. Yeah. Um, The precursor, the previous Kickstarter, if you will. I will. Um, (laughs) So uh, David was the writer of such things. Uh, The art was by Ruben Rojas. Yep. Um, Colouring was Whitney Koga. Yep. And lettering was DC Hopkins. Yeah. My notes are accurate. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how to explain the OZ. Do you want to try and do this? So <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna nick the writer's words on this one. That's cheating. I know he's cheating. But basically, it's kind of like the Hurt Locker meets the Wizard of Oz. So The Hurt Locker of Oz. The Hurt Locker of Oz. The Wizard of Hurt. The Wizard of Hurt. <laughs> That sounds like yeah. a kind of like wrestling gimmick. It like. does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically we all, well, we don't all remember. I'm assuming there's people out there who are unaware of the film The Wizard of Oz, but I think most people have some sort of cultural osmosis about The well, Wizard of Oz. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so after Dorothy leaves Oz and goes back to, to Kansas with Toto and... Was it all a dream? Um, basically, Oz just falls apart is the basic um, setup. Um, they leave the Scarecrow in charge because the wizard also leaves Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Scarecrow's in charge. Um, and for someone who has a brain, he's not particularly clever about how he goes about this. He's, he he does the right thing for all the wrong reasons, basically, and becomes a dictator. Um, and Oz becomes a bit of a war-torn Land and then original Dorothy's granddaughter, also called Dorothy, is a veteran from Afghanistan who is dealing with all kinds of trauma. And she ends up back in Oz and she's faced with this occupied zone. 
The OZ, if you the will. The OZ, yeah. Or, or the OZ, if you will. And basically that's... So the first issue basically follows Dorothy getting back to Oz and meeting up with the Tin Man, who is now the Tin Soldier. And things happen. Things do happen. A mm, lot, of, lot of bad things happen. Yeah. Um, I... I'll be the first to admit I'm not a huge Wizard of Oz fan. Yeah, I think it's more of an... I think for us in the UK, it's less of a cultural touchstone than it is for America. Possibly. I can see that. I feel, I feel like... Kind of as an American fairy tale, it's more... Yeah. In keeping with that, whereas we have all kinds of British we nonsense. King Arthur nonsense. Robin Hood. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, yes. Not to be confused with any other. <laughs> no. Um, probably others. Other Robin Hoods are available. I, I immediately, the, the problem is if we start naming like British characters. I, yeah, I, we'll I, be here forever. I immediately go into like the weirder stuff that I'm like, that vampire we're meant to have in London or. Um, oh, yeah. The Highgate Vampire. The Highgate Vampire, yeah. And um, Spring Heel Jack. Oh, Spring Hill Jack, um, yes. Who are not like folk heroes, they're all like <laughs> folk nightmares, I folk guess. Folk nightmares, horror um, side. But yeah, we have a different fairy tale. America's fairy tales are different to ours, and The Wizard of Oz is very... Yes, um, Wizard of Oz is... It's not, not something I dislike, my mum hates it, and I, <laughs> I, I think that's like... Anytime it was on, it was like my mum was actively hating The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Um, but I can, there's a lot of interesting ideas and I think we see them represented in a lot of other fiction. Um, I feel there's, there's definitely a little bit of it bleeds into, um, Stephen King's thing. Uh, The Dark Tower. Yes. Oh, very much. Yeah. There is a, there's definitely a part where they're walking down a highway, which is meant to be in the world of the stand and they stop. They find a load of ruby slippers and there's a yeah. city in the distance. Um, so I feel like I've had more Wizard of Oz from other sources than filtered through other creators. Yes, um, which I, I guess is what the OZ is. It's you know yeah. still a different. Take it's on. in that tradition. Um, but I can I can see the influence. And I can see that there's a lot of good ideas in the Wizard of Oz, and I think the reimagining here of like the Tin Man as the Tin Soldier, the Scarecrow as a dictator yeah it's it's really different it's really interesting the idea of kind of updating dorothy as well from a you know naive farm girl yeah to a grizzled war veteran um it's really interesting it's it's such a swerve on what we know of the wizard of oz yeah um I was about to do the same thing I did when we were talking about this the other day, where I was ch- going to talk about war films, and the one that comes to mind is Hot Shots with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, yes. Not a reference point That's, for war films. That, no. No, um, it was Rambo, I think, was our reference. Rambo was, was the one we used. That was the sensible sense. reference that we um, came up with. With the kind of returning from war and not knowing your place in society. Yeah. And um, finding yourself back in a you know combat zone, or yeah. an occupied zone. An occupied zone, yeah. Um. I'm I'm happy that Rambo's a good touchstone because Hot Shots is not. Avoid <laughs> that. Um, we'll do a Hot Shots episode. We'll somewhere. I'll find the comic book connection. Leave it with me. <laughs> I'm sure there is one somewhere. Machine Hot Shots. I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I think it's an interesting kind of take and the kind of scene setting we get of Dorothy in Kansas and yeah. her return, her time spent with her grandmother and um, her getting swept away by the tornado. Yeah, particularly when you realise what she was about to do before she gets swept away Yeah, it, the it, tornado. It gets very, it gets quite dark. It is a bit dark, yeah. And it almost feels like being swept away into Oz and a war zone is almost like a saving grace in the most... Yeah, in a really weird, weird way. Ways. Yeah. Uh, it shows her her place in the world and her purpose and that she can, you know, continue to do what she knows and be a hero. And it's a, it's a weird yeah. twist and it's not yeah. one that you perhaps prepared for. Um, 
But I think David Propose does have a tendency to go for the kind of traumatic. Yeah. Um, Spencer and Locke. Spencer and Locke, which mind. is which is <laughs> has been described as, and again, I'm nicking his words, the spiritual cousin of the OZ, and I can kind of, yeah. I very much see that. That's that's interesting. I, I did make notes about that and about kind of the the reimagining of, um. The Wizard of Oz characters it feels very similar to the, the kind of reimagining of classic comic book characters. So obviously Calvin and Hobbes, Hobbes. is right there, but, yeah. but also you know we, we've seen other characters represented that kind of yeah throwbacks to old uh, comics, old classic comics. comics, comic strips. Yes, the days of comics past. Yeah, um, and that's that's something similar we we get here definitely. I think um, Dave Post has got a clear. I don't know vision of how to reimagine characters into darker, yeah. weirder versions of themselves. <laughs> Trauma. Um and don't worry, it's it's not a bad darker weirder. No. It's it's a darker weirder that I'm very into, I think. Very much, yeah. But I did did think as well that that is something we're kind of conditioned to expect from like Marvel and DC love to give you the dark reflection of the hero and then I think as comic book fans where you we end up just being into that because of yeah. the um, the consistency with which we get it. Obviously, and yeah. it, was, it was even a complaint with like the MCU films that everyone ends up fighting the dark version of themselves. Selves, but, yeah. But that that is comics, you know. That's yeah. Spider Man's great, but Venom. Yeah. And then when Venom turns good, the Carnage. Carnage. And then when Carnage, no, Carnage doesn't turn good. Carnage is always no. a bad guy. Yeah. Um. No oh, redeeming if he, if he had a face turn and then there was like, you know, the really bad... The really, really bad one. The really evil version, version of Carnage. More evil than the cannibal psychopath. Um, that And there's the job for David Proposal. There we go. <laughs> What's the dark side of Carnage? Ridge. Dark side of Carnage is actually a really good... That's a good pitch. ...comic book name. Yeah. Leave that with me. I'll mail that to myself after... <laughs> Um, Trademark. So yeah, I I had a point. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but I did. darker versions of characters, reimaginings. Yes, and and I think it's nice to see the Wizard of Oz characters who are all a little bit ridiculous and squeak, yeah. squeaky clean in their original. Yeah, the the movie interpretation. Of the this. movie interpretation, because I think we also forget that there is actually a book. Yes, I don't know anyone who's read it. But... I read it, but it okay. was many well, many it. moons ago. It was a long, 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 long time ago. Um, Is I this think how the book starts. Many how moons long, ago, many moons. <laughs> oh god, it was well over twenty years ago. Okay. I was but a small child at the time, so. It could be close on thirty years ago, <clears throat> so yeah, it was a it was a while ago, um, and I remember reading it and thinking it was, it was a bit different to the film, but I couldn't tell you in what context. But I think for most people, The Wizard of Oz is the film, and I think some people don't even realise it's based on books. I think they just assume that it was made up because musicals. I mean. <laughs> It's true of some things. Yeah. Like Greece. Greece, yeah, Greece was made up, although that was later on. Yeah. <laughs> um But that's no, I think you're right. I think a lot of people see it as the film first and then you know the book Return to Oz. Um And then the film Return to Oz, which is a darker, grittier version. That was nineteen eighty five. And scarred it's me. Almost f- like we've talked about this before. It is, like. isn't it? Almost like we pre-planned this. Um, but that's that to me felt a bit like the OZ in the the OZ. There we go. I've said it. Nailed it. Nailed it. In that, in there, Dorothy basically comes back to an Oz that is a bit of a mess, really. Yeah, a bit of a mess. And that's definitely what we see here. Um, I think that first scene in Oz where it's kind of the tornado twister. Tornado. It's a tornado. Twist. Yeah, it could be either. Twister was that film with tornadoes in it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, So she she gets swept away and the the first page we get in Oz is the kind of um, flying monkeys armed with bombs. Bombs. 
uh, that are all labelled like Darwin's Revenge, Organ Grinder, um, Death from Above, I think is the three. Yeah. Um, which is a really immediate kind of... It's something immediately recognisable as The Wizard of Oz with the monkeys, but yeah, in, a, flying in monkeys. a completely different way with the bombs. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. Uh, yeah, flying monkeys with bombs. Um, but I think that's something we get repeatedly. There's a lot of visuals that are immediately recognisable as The Wizard of Oz, but in yeah. a way that you might not expect the reveal of the Tin Soldier. Yeah. Whilst having... Distinct similarities to the Tim Man is clearly something else yeah. entirely. Um, yeah. It, it's like he's evolved into, it's gone from the Tin Man has evolved into the Tin Soldier. Yes. But you can see the similarities. Yeah, definitely. And um, when we kind of get the backstory explained, so this is almost like a, it's almost like two issues in one. I think it's 60 Pretty pages it's, it's a, cover to cover. Yeah, it, you get a lot of, Comic. Yes. And we later on, we kind of get an explanation as to how we got here. And for the Tin Man, we basically get that a great line of narration about uh, that all it cost him, you know, was his hard-earned heart. Yeah. And that, that's just really good. It's... That and one... Really tragic. Yeah. Because the Tin Man was... I think the Tin Man was always my favourite character. Yeah. In The Wizard of Oz. Everyone's, right? Yeah, well, anyone who is sensible. <laughs> um, I don't know whether that was just because of my love of robots and he looked kind of like a robot. And as a kid, that's what I latched onto. I don't know. Yes. But he always felt a little bit more tragic in a way than the other two. Because although the Scarecrow was like, I don't have a brain, he had the intelligence to recognise that he didn't have a brain. But he was some quite... Some people don't. Some people don't. So chalk one up to him. But he seemed quite sort of happy-go-lucky and, you know, he had it all along. And the lion was cowardly, but fear is important and you can get over fear and all the rest of it. But not having a heart, that's like... It felt a bit more difficult for him to earn that than the other two. Not to say that the other two didn't earn it. It was fine. But I always <laughs> felt that his journey was the more... Interesting, certainly from a human perspective, because we always talk about what makes people human. Mm. And it's not really brains and courage. It's having a heart. So, yeah, I felt like that. But so the fact that he, you know, gave that up and, you know, sacrificed that to become the Tin Soldier, that really, that was emotional. Yeah, definitely. That's, I think that's what makes it such a good line of dialogue and gives. Yeah. I think. The, the implication of where the Tin Man came from to find his heart to then go back again. Well, not go back again, but become something else entirely at yeah. the cost of that. Um, as a full story arc is really interesting and really tragic. Yeah. Um, we obviously haven't seen too much from the Lion or the Scarecrow at this no. point. Lion is coming in issue two. Issue two will be the lion's yeah. issue. Um, and I like lions. So. <laughs> lions <laughs> Especially are good. ones that can talk. Yeah, talking lions are the best. So I, I am interested to see how his you know, journey has affected him. And equally to see how the Scarecrow's journey is. How, I, yeah. I mean, I imagine you don't, you know, get a brain and immediately become a dictator. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's just, not happened to me, No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to get inside his head a little bit and see, because I don't think that he's doing it from a place of, hey, I'm evil now. No, I, I can see it's kind of explaining this as, um, is it like an Oz in chaos? Is it is yeah. easier to control than an Oz not? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Like Oz in peacetime doesn't work, yeah. so it has to be falling apart and... Yeah. And obviously, it's interesting because in the Wizard of Oz film, at least, it's not really presented to us that what, that they're at war and the world's falling apart, but a lot is up, you know? 
There's there's a lot of I mean Dorothy kind of gets that impression I think in the film as she's wandering round but I think the fact that it's a 1930s musical means we can't it kind of hides the yeah it kind of hides kind of the, the dark underbelly because they are thinking of the books themselves they are a bit darker I think than the the way that it's been portrayed in that film you get little yeah. hints in the film yeah of course and I I think. I guess it's something you, you don't immediately think of it as like a land in turmoil and no. it, it's just, you know, there's a the evil witch flying around and that's not great, but... <laughs> yeah, aside from that, it's not like a Lord of the Rings scenario. No, yeah. I, I, I guess here it's almost presented as that. It's presented yeah. as, you know, that she was the ultimate evil, but she kept everything in check in a way. It's like balance in the force. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, it's like, yeah. I don't know how to continue that metaphor. No. Thank you. But um, that's where I'm going with it. But do we, I, I, I'm going to cut this if, I, if I'm if i wrong, but do we get told that there are cannibal munchkins in this issue? I believe it's hinted at, but <laughs> I will just need to check. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we're hinted at that there's cannibal munchkins yeah. and the... Um, flying monkeys are attacking people as they travel around, which yeah, I, I just never even considered cannibal munchkins. And no. the more I say cannibal munchkins, <laughs> the, the dumber it sounds. Mm, cannibal munchkins, <laughs> yay! Um, <laughs> but in, it, that in itself, yeah, is a show of how on every level this world has been reimagined. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it is a but at the same time it's interesting because it, it it's like it it is just reimagined as a war zone, and for Dorothy that she she recognizes that straight off the bat because yeah, and immediately manages to throw herself into protecting the people there. We see her yeah. be quite resourceful, making a kind of fairy powered flamethrower. Yeah, pretty much. I loved that. Yeah, um, and being kind of fastball specialed into the king of the flying monkeys to get them to stop attacking. Um, (laughs) It's all of that is ludicrous. It sounds crazy, but it works really well. It does. It's a, it's a great action sequence. I think as an issue, there's a really good balance of the kind of um, character work and the trauma that sets Dorothy up as a character. Yeah. Um, The transition to Oz. And then with that, the introduction of like, all the mythos in a new, mm. darker, weirder way. Um, and then the, the execution of, yeah, the action sequence, the kind of f- realising she recognises this and ha- where she belongs and realising her grandmother isn't completely insane. And- yeah, it's like, no, everything Grandma Dorothy told her was absolutely true. Yeah, which is really interesting and it's... I guess this is the thing we don't really think about, like the fallout of the Wizard of Oz of what does Dorothy tell everybody when she gets yeah. back, like with you know just hey I bought some shoes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these ruby slippers. Yeah, yeah, it's like she has to explain something, and no one would believe that. It's yeah, because too outlandish. That's one of the weird things I find about the end of the film because all the farm hands are the same actors who played the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's almost semi-implied that oh, she just hit her head really hard and she just made all that up. But and there is yeah. a little bit of that in this at, at the start, but then it just completely commits to nope, this is a real thing. This is a real thing that's happening. Yeah, and it's something that I think quite frequently it feels like either we get the but it was all a dream or the implication that it could all have been a dream yeah. or it's really close to. I've even said it of things like the first series of like Stranger Things yeah. could have so easily been, but it was all a D&D game. Yeah. Oh, there's so many kind of frequently coming up narratives that end in a kind of, but was it real? So I guess that's a similar thing with The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Don't kick the mic stand. Um, but the implication that, yeah, it was real. Why would it not be real? Is yeah. an interesting, like, addition because we don't see the aftermath. Yeah. Which I guess is the problem with a lot of fiction. We're not really built to consider... Built to consider? A lot of fiction isn't really built with the idea that you'll think about what comes next. 
Yeah, I mean it's true of a lot of a lot of films, and that's one of the problems is when they decide to make a sequel to the to said film. Yeah, because we've got an end point, we've done an ending without the expectation, but it did really well. So now we're going to have to slap together a sequel somehow. Um, I, I mean, we did get returned to Oz, so clearly someone thought about what someone happened that, next. But then again, that's again that's based on on the books because the book series doesn't end with yeah, the Wizard of, of Oz, so you've got something to draw on, which which I get. But if you look at let's pick let's pick Star Wars, everybody, because that's Ooh. a thing. I'm going to be controversial. So basically, you have. You know, he did he did episodes four, five, and six, and six ends death of the emperor, the empire's slowly being dismantled, and then the EU's like, no, the empire's totally not been dismantled, and this happens, and then Disney reboot it, and the empire's totally not been dismantled. But then he instead of doing a sequel series, George Lucas went and did a prequel series because he yeah. was like, I want to show you how we got to that end point. But- he wasn't interested in what happened after he did turn that over to writers and all the rest of it, and yeah. then when the actual sequel series came out. I was not a massive fan of The Force Awakens because it was like, so what the hell was the point of everything? <laughs> we had the end of the Empire, but the Empire didn't end and we're just rehashing the same thing again. Yeah, I can see that. And I think if you did read any of those novels that were set like after the death of the Emperor. Which I did. I think we all did probably. Yeah. Um. I don't think I read any of them in order, though, or any of them with a no. sense of understanding. No, nor did I. <laughs> I think I, I got some of them from the school library, which I think mm, is a bad yeah. sign. And um, ultimately just baffling. Yeah, very baffling. <laughs> so, no, I think that's very true. The kind of, the, the one set of fiction that fits into the blank, fills in the blanks of the original trilogy and then the prequels. Um Presumably, also had books. I don't know. They did, yeah. I, I've I've got a novelization of the Phantom Menace upstairs, but that that exists, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I, yeah, the the fact that all that can be stripped away and we can have a new canon yeah. of what happened between films and after films and during films, yeah, yeah, it's a similar idea, I guess. Yeah, and and it happens with a lot of classic fiction that people do, you know, unofficial sequels and unofficial. The Time Machine is one that. Time Machine, yeah. and is it... I think Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep has got, like... Yeah. Other people wrote sequels. It's like, We don't need any more of that. I think that's the problem with really good literature is the point of it is that it has this great ending, but at the same time, it doesn't freeze that universe in time. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's how... F- that's how fandom in general works when it's it, it's a popular canon. It's like fans will consume the thing to the end of the canon and be happy with or unhappy, usually unhappy. Usually. Yeah. Usually Battlestar Galactica <laughs> with the end of canon. And then they will sort of take the story on in their own little unique ways. Um, yeah. So nothing ever really ends in terms of media or, yeah, films, TV, te- whatever. It has a canon ending, but then it just, the universe itself doesn't cease to exist. That fictional universe doesn't, everyone's just like, oh yeah, it's ended. Let's just give up because people have emotional investment in it. Mm. And they want to, they're like, what does happen to that universe? There is no end point to the, well, there is an end point to the universe, so scientists tell me. <laughs> There's an end point to everything. But it's like, yeah, so nothing just happens. It's like the end of The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy goes back home, the wizard goes off to wherever it is the wizards come from. What does happen to Oz? Because Oz doesn't, obviously, Frank L. Baum wrote books to explain this. But if you'd just seen the film, you'd be like, so what does happen to Oz then? Because there probably mm. will be a bit of a power vacuum going on. Yeah, and I, I guess... The OZ answers that question. Did you think this yeah. was the direction we were going to go in with this? Really didn't, but <laughs> it's us, so we can, yeah, we tend to go deep Expect into... Expect the unexpected. Yeah. Um, Indeed. We've so gone very deep into the nature of... <laughs> the nature of storytelling. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, but it is interesting to me that this does answer the question of what comes after. Um, yeah, and it's not always happy. No, it's... Fairly horrible. It's yeah. it's not a nice place to be, and this it's interesting to tell like a, a fantasy war story that's 
not overly familiar. I don't think this feels like a lot of... Not that I sit around reading a lot of war stories. <laughs> I don't... Yeah, the novelisation like... <laughs> of hot shots. <laughs> Ooh. Is that, is that a thing? I feel no like... idea. It will be now. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess that's the thing. I'm not overly into war films, yeah. war comics, war... Generally, yeah, not a fan of war. I guess that's that's not that's my hot take on war. <laughs> not a fan. Um, <laughs> well, um, but my my point is that I, I think this is an interesting story, and I don't think this is. Whilst it's obviously a recognizable property in the Wizard of Oz, yeah, um, it it feels different enough in the fact that it doesn't feel overly reminiscent of other fantasy war scapes. No, it, it it feels very original. Yes, definitely. And it, it just feels like a unique take on something we've seen. And the idea that we're basically told that this isn't this isn't a darker world version of ours. This is what happens after. Yeah. So it's interesting that we're not told like, hey, it's no, it's always been dark and horrible. It's like, no, no, it got dark and horrible. Yes. Yeah. Which, which I guess gives it almost a more real feel that it's not. Yeah, because that's, that's how it works in the real world is things aren't always dark and horrible. There are periods in history and periods in time where things are actually kind of okay. And then it just slides into darkness and that's what happens to us. Yeah, entirely that. And... It's it's weird because it, it doesn't feel like especially grim. It feels like there's still hope in all of this. And I think that's um, represented very well by Dorothy and the Tin Soldier. and Even the inhabitants of Oz in their own, even the little child that has the little fairy. and Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know. Is just worried that the the fairy survives. Yeah, just one. You know, I think said something like, "Please look after my fairy" to Dorothy or some such. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a hopefulness there, and I think perhaps nothing captures that better than Toto. I I was wondering where we we're going to get round to one of the best characters in comics. <laughs> so. I mean, we're already pretty deep into the spoilers, so I'm just going to yeah. commit. So we get basically in the opening scenes or near to the opening scenes that um, old lady Dorothy, um, yeah, <laughs> grandma Dorothy, grandma Dorothy, is kind of asking after Toto and asking where Toto is at, and you know. yeah. Um, and then we we see that when Dorothy wakes up in ours after being rescued by the Tin Soldier, um, she kind of makes her valiant escape storming through the castle trying yeah. to, you know it is a castle right? it is a castle, castle. yeah it's a castle it's a castle Tr- trying to break a way out only to find herself confronted by the tin soldier and the head of well the glowing the glowing head apparition yes hey look at me using words i may or may not know of um the wizard of oz yeah um which is then revealed to not be the wizard. No, it's not the wizard. Uh, because he bailed at the end of the film. Yeah. But instead revealed to be Toto. Yeah, ignore the terrier behind the curtain. <laughs> Perhaps my favourite line. It's in... so good, that line. And the the fact that he's such a good terrier, the, the, the little tongue sticking out. and It's very well drawn. I mean, ev- ev- all of this book is well drawn, but... That's true. I think uh, Ruben Rojas, um, art-wise just nails it i think it yeah. feels um dark and gritty when it needs to but upbeat in the right moments and yeah just really nicely varied whilst all fits together really i'm saying this terribly but it's it's good art Good art. It, all, it all flows and the shifts in tone are, are well represented i think the coloring does a lot in that as well i think we get a very yeah. kind of uh, so Whitney Koga does a kind of great job with the kind of dusty, yeah, war-torn segments and the kind of brighter, giant glowing heads as well. So. In the castle that are actually dogs. <laughs> that are actually dogs. And I think both reveals, so the reveal of the flying monkeys when they first arrive, when yeah. Dorothy first arrives to Oz and the reveal of 
the terrier behind the curtain, yeah. is two really well done scenes. And yeah. I guess it's one per issue if we like split Pretty it. Pretty much, yeah. It's like if you were to split that into two, two yeah. Two chunks of 20 something pages. Yeah. Um, but really nicely done, both of them. I think it's it's rare that you get like character reveals or like location reveals that are so consistently like, well, damn, all right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun. I like it. And I had a really good time reading this. I wasn't really sure what to expect. I mean, I, off the back of Scouts Honor, Spencer and Locke going to the chapel, I had high hopes. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I think this book delivers on that. It gives me what I was hoping for. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. Because even though I had read all of his back catalogue, <laughs> um. I was a little bit like, hmm, I don't, I don't know about this. It doesn't, it, hmm. But then I actually read it. I was like, oh, God, this is really good. Why Why did not I back this the first time it was on Kickstarter? And now you've got a second chance. Now I've got a second chance, which is excellent. <laughs> I feel like this does, I feel like this feels, <laughs> it, it does feel standalone enough and original enough that, the a knowledge of the Wizard of Oz isn't particularly important. I think no. I mean, I mean even, it'll help if you. It'll help. I mean, it's like the bit. But what's interesting is like you'll even get something out of it. Like Grandma Dorothy asks about Toto, and you're you know if you don't know who Toto is, and then you have the reveal of Toto, and then Toto actually asks, "Does she think about me?" Which is the best. Isn't and it's it? like yeah, every day, even if you were completely unaware of. The fact that there was a Toto and in the film Judy Garland literally carried that dog around forever. Um, you would still get that emotional connection out of it. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. I think it, it does a good job of introducing these characters and these ideas independently from what you already know. So it doesn't feel dependent on The Wizard of Oz. No, I think it works as a war fantasy. That's a... That's a I'll genre. Yeah. It's a genre now. Um, it works as a war fantasy. Um, Definitely, comic. and at no point feels burdened by what it's trying to continue. No. Um. So yeah, I really like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm looking forward to the second issue. I think it's going to be. Yeah. Equally good, and I think it'll show us some new ideas that we haven't seen yet. In, yeah. In the lion. The else. lion, yes, because he's he's going to be front and centre in the next one, along with is it Jack Pumpkinhead? Because we get we get like he's on one page, but he's yeah, we see him kind of with somebody talking to yes the scarecrow yeah the king monkey that yes. King of the monkeys, yes. The king of the monkey, the king of the flying monkey monkeys. Monkey king. Monkey king, if you will, talking to the scarecrow. Yeah. I think that's another one, actually. The reveal of the scarecrow is really nicely done. He's... Yeah, because he's still recognisably the scarecrow, but he's just a little bit demonic. I feel like there's a little bit of, like, Batman scarecrow bleeding yes. into it as well. So it's not pure Wizard of Oz scarecrow. Um. But yeah, character designs are good. That's, that's they something are just, I think we need to acknowledge as well. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a dream job, I imagine, in some ways to be able to redesign something as iconic as, you know, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, But I think they all capture the original, the original concept whilst being noticeably different and almost more worn and lived in. Yeah. Um, everyone looks like they've been through some serious stuff, you know. Yeah. Except um, Toto and the um, glowing wizard's head. They the, look. The glowing look wizard's head is as good as it was back in the day. Sure, Probably. why not? Probably. Um, but no, I, I really liked this. I I need to stay close to the microphone. I really liked this. I feel like um, whilst it's. I don't know. I, whilst I'm not a huge Wizard of Oz fan, it's yeah. There's enough in here to hook me anyway, and it even made me want to go and watch the Wizard of Oz. So what have I become? Yeah, I was the same. I was like, I need to find the book. I need to watch the film. Give me all the Wizard of Oz content now. Um, 
yeah, definitely. I feel like this is the kind of thing that does lure you back into just seeing. I mean, The Wizard of Oz, like, what, 90 minutes long? I can I can tackle that. It's not bad. It's in the days before blockbusters. Although, having said that, Gone with the Wind, which is a similar era, is about 20 hours long. <laughs> Gone with the Wind is long. It's on one of those DVDs that you have to turn over halfway Yes, through. it is, yeah. It's, it's my mum's favourite film, which is... <laughs> But she doesn't like The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's almost like there's a difference between those two <laughs> films. I know. And also those two books, I imagine. Yeah, they're very... They're, Gone with the Wind is a really thick book as well. Yeah, yeah. It's like over a thousand pages, Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, it's, it's a big, big chunky book. It's a series book. Whereas the actual book, The Wizard of Oz, you can probably read pretty quick. Yeah, I imagine there's less, less pages. Yeah, because it was designed for children. Unlike Gone with the Wind. Unlike Gone with the Wind. It's not very child-friendly. Don't know why. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Um, I didn't think we were going to get on to Gone with the Wind today. No. <laughs> There's a lot that I didn't think we were going to end up going down various avenues, and yet we have. Um, I feel like we've gone in some directions that weren't <laughs> planned for us. No. Um, I think that's more or less everything I yeah. had to say about the OZ. Um, yeah. How about you? You, I, you I just really, yeah, I really like it. Um, I'm excited to see more. I'm excited to back the Kickstarter because um, I missed out on the first one, and to this day, I don't know why I didn't. It's one of those regret. It's one of those Kickstarters I regret not backing. Yeah. So I, I will be that. definitely backing it this time. As will I. I think um, we'll chuck a Kickstarter link in the bio thing of this yes and it, we'll be sharing it on our twitter and yeah social media facebook instagram yeah. i don't know. yeah we have those things we, we have the social medias yeah. it's remembering to use them yeah um you know what actually i think we've been pretty consistent at least with twitter yeah we've not yeah the rest of it's but but our twitter which yeah, yeah is... we, we remember almost everything yeah yeah, we, we're pretty good with that. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to the next instalment. I'm going to back this. You're going to back this. I'm going to back this. I encourage everyone who listens to this, which might only be a few people, but whoever you are, back it. I like to think enough people will listen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really excited for more. And I think that's my conclusion. <laughs> In conclusion, back the Kickstarter. Yes. So thank you for listening. Yeah. We, we've been... Uh, Zach and Angela collectively yeah, bigger than have. capes and we will continue to be and remember <laughs> that comics are bigger, bigger than, than capes, capes.